Hey, and welcome to the Raising Your Game podcast with me, Lewis Hatchett. On my journey to professional sport, I was always fascinated in what the best in the world were doing and how I could implement it into my own life. I believe that we can all take something from the world of sport that can not only benefit our sporting aspirations and goals, but our day-to-day lives too. I'm going to be speaking to those in and outside the world of sport, exercise and high performance to hear their stories that will hopefully give you insights, advice and ideas for raising your game. In this episode, I speak with GB ultra runner Dan Lawson. Dan comes from Brighton and at the age of 46, he soon became one of the country's leading ultra runners. With an achievement list too long to name at the moment, he's completed such things as running the Brighton Marathon eight times in a row non-stop. He got first place in the Gobi 400 kilometer race and also has the fastest known time in the Jordan Trail, which is a 600 kilometer route. He also has the fastest British time in the Badwater 135 mile race through Death Valley. I could have literally been with Dan for hours talking about each race and how he went about it. But in our conversation, we go through what got Dan into running these distances, the effect it has on him both physically, mentally, and how he mentally deals with running times of well over 24 hours. We also go into a more meditative side of running as well as topics around sustainability. And Dan is a really inspiring character where most people would think what he does is mad. He seamlessly manages to explain it as not only being simple, but a human ability that we all have. I was super excited for this talk, but quite honestly taken aback about how good this chat was. So really, really excited for this podcast and enjoy. Dan, Dan Lawson, how are you, mate? Yeah, very well, thank you. You've had a good evening so far. You've just just come from yoga. Yeah, I've yeah I've just said you yeah I've just run back from yoga into the into the bright and wind or whatever yeah yeah it's my least favourable of running conditions the headwind yeah. yeah um we were just talking about like how I'd done a marathon as well and uh, I actually that run up and down the the seafront where you've just come from like that that um I think that just that got for me very monotonous and I got like bored of it but. For people who don't know anything about you, you're a, an ultra runner, and yep. that that's the best way to describe ultra marathon runner. Yeah, just u- an ultra u- runner. Ultra runner, yeah. Yeah, running. I mean, I looked at some of the the distances and the credentials that you've got, and honestly, we could be here for like half an hour talking about every single one of them. Um, but kind of want to just start with like, how the hell did you get into running distances like 400k and 24-hour races and things like that where did it it's a hard question I'll I'll tell you what when when was when was like your first marathon okay yeah because I often answer that differently every time right okay (laughs) depends on how I'm feeling so when was like your first marathon then my first so I ran um I ran quite a quite a lot when I was younger so from like the ages of like 10 till 12 no I don't know 9 till 12 or something I I was running I actually ran my first half marathon when I was 12 years old um but then I I kind of I stopped running I just became a normal teenager um and then I started playing football and I played football for years and years and years um but I always had this dream I used to watch the London Marathon and you know the the London Marathon music I used to I used to love that when I was younger and I had this dream that when I was I used to say to myself when I was 16 because you had to be 16 I think to run the London Marathon that I wanted to run and and like complete the London Marathon but teenage years wow. took over so that dream kind of uh, it just never happened then, like I say then I started playing football and then when I stopped playing football uh, maybe sort of late middle of mid mid 30s or something yeah. I remembered that dream and I was like I oh, really you know I've, I've never fulfilled it I've never run a marathon and um, I kind of had this I had this friend who I played football with and I used to have this debate with him that you didn't need to train to run a marathon, that we're all, we've all got a basic fitness that we can all go out and oh, just... I'm a big believer of this. Yeah, we yeah. can just run. We're built to run, yeah. I mean, so we can go out and run a marathon. And then one day, I was to prove him, or to prove myself right, to prove him wrong because he didn't believe it, I went out onto the downs and, yeah, just ran my own person. Yeah, I, did, I didn't join a 
race or anything. I just went out and ran 20. It turned out it was a bit longer. Maybe it was like 27, 28 miles just to make or something. Sure. Yeah, because I didn't have one of those watches. I didn't even know they existed. So I just went and ran for a few hours out in the downs and came back and put like a bit of string, you know, on a map and then measured it out. And, and, and like that's it my out route like that. and that's where I'm going. Well, no, afterwards I worked out where I'd gone and then put the string down and then measured it on the ruler and then used the key of the map. So I could work out whether no I'd actually complete. And it turned out it was, yeah, something like 27, 28 miles. So that was my first marathon. And yeah. you, and like pulling up from it, well, you did, you did it. Like that was... Yeah, it was all right, yeah. Super no training and it was right. fine. Yeah, so. well, you proved yourself right. <laughs> so how, that, that you're 16, uh, wait, how old were you? No, so that, that was that, uh, no, I was about 30... That was 30. Yeah, right, 35. so that was literally you've gone from the dream of doing the marathon and then we're talking yeah, yeah, 15 big, years later almost. Yeah, big gap. I played football for a while and then I kind of got bored of playing football and that's when wow. I started I started running again, but I used to run on the seafront with a, like dribbling a football because I don't, I don't know mad. why. <laughs> and yeah, and, and then I went and ran that marathon and then from there, yeah, I kind I just got, got back into running found found like a love of running again like from when i had when i was when i was younger basically because i first i first heard of you through my brother and we're kind of aptly in his office right now yeah um and he and you both worked at brian of albion football club he was on commercial team and you worked for the uh, community arm albion in the community um and he was telling me stories of he was like, you got to meet this guy, Dan, who's this runner in, he, he runs loads and he runs from, uh, from home to, to work. And that was, you've just said to me a minute ago, that was your commute, like your formal, yeah, yeah. Your, your way of commuting is running. Mm-hmm. Um, how far's from, how far's from your home to the, the stadium? Oh, it's about 10 miles, I think. So 10, yeah. mi- 20 miles a day, yeah, like you're doing. And that's I mean, just, still, yeah, I still do the same roughly, you know, around 20 miles a day. And most of it's like, commuting yeah and actually they they were quite lenient at the at the albion because they there's <laughs> sometimes i'd have a meeting in worthing and i'd run all the way to worthing from the from the stadium <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's even further there was one time we had a yeah, we had like a i think we went to meet we had a meeting at the houses of parliament i ran to i ran up there yeah to, from to London. brighton basically yeah, yeah. to the house of parliament yeah. mate that's insane they were so, very kind because it did take uh it's much quicker to hop in a car <laughs> <laughs> that that's amazing like he because yeah he was telling me these stories about um like you coming into work and like you you turn up in work in your, your, your running kit or like you'd have nights where you just couldn't sleep so you go out running and you that was your thing like you were just running but you weren't were you with team gb by this time no not at all so this no. was just you doing it yeah and i think at for that the love point, of running it, it was yeah for the yeah at that point i don't think i'd i hadn't even started racing like um in, in ultra races yeah it was more yeah it was more like that first time when i went out running on the downs and I kind of found something so I loved running when I was younger but the the time when I went back to it and I ran that marathon on the downs then I, I found that that stillness it brings you you know that yeah. that calmness it brings you and I kind of got I mean yeah it is yeah it's like an addiction do you know what I mean I, I really like to have I find it I find it hard in a in a day if I haven't had my run and I haven't had that clearness in my mind and that kind of time away from uh, that kind of solitary time and yeah. it's, it's something special happens to your mind when you're running i don't know it's really hard to recreate it in any other in any other activity or, or it's yeah. just it's it's almost like a fast um a fast way to get to that state of meditation or something that you can just do from from running and it's 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 kind of that what i was that i run for and i still run for because most people will attribute like the distances that like so if some if you said to most people like 10 miles they're just they're just thinking sheer pain aren't they like they're just but i i guess the more i've like delved into um things like breath work and realizing like the rate in which you have to to run like the speed at which you have to run in order to sort of keep it as a um a consistent tempo or like be able to sustain it for a long period is you you're not talking like um 
Kipchoge pace. Like no, you're not talking no, about you're yeah. you're talking about a lot lesser pace, but it's just consistency mm-hmm. of over a long yeah, period of time. In in ultra races and, and especially in training, I mean, you rarely get out of out of breath. Yeah, basically, as opposed to someone who's running a fast marathon or a you know like a fast ten k. I mean, they're they're brutal on your kind of aerobic system you like you get to the end you feel you feel sick you feel you know you, you're dribbling out of your mouth you, you really is a quite a brutal assault on your body but the ultra races no it, it's you it's just uh it's almost just like a a rhythm you just kind of float along yeah and it's uh yeah it's quite pleasant really yeah i, yeah. I think there'll be a lot of people that will try and like will be like i can't believe it i think you also i heard you describe it once as um putting one foot in front of the other which I think is really nice. Yeah, like, it's mean, just it's literally so one simple. foot in front of the other, yeah, yeah. and that's that's just how. I it... heard this brilliant quote actually, uh, and I've been, it's been in my mind when I've been running for the last. It's such a simple quote. It's from Alice in Wonderland, and a friend of mine, another ultra runner, said it. And I think it's the king in Alice in Wonderland, and all he says is, "All you've got to do is start and carry on, and then stop when you finish." And that just sums up. It's as simple as that. Yeah. <laughs> That's ultra running. Yeah? You just start and you, just keep going. And then when it finishes, you just stop. So, cause I, I mean, there's so many questions like uh, with like, well, how to delve into that. But so kind of instantly saying like it's not um, it's not as in brackets taxing on your body. Um, so definitely one of the things surely for for um, ultra running is the the mental side. Like yeah, the, I mean, it, you, you, yeah, you do. I mean, you feel it on your body. It's not taxing on your aerobic system, yeah. you know. But one of the things you have to manage it is painful. So when you get to ten hours into a race, your your body starts to it starts to hurt. You know, everything hurts, and 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 I suppose not even managing, but blocking out that pain is one of the skills that you you have to do when you're when you're racing but then i suppose you're right that is a mental that's a mental skill well yeah you're and you're saying you were getting into a uh you you see it's a meditative state mm-hmm. some people even just uh, i mean you you're we've just spoken that you were saying that you you're into yoga so you understand that sort of that side of it that mindfulness side of it some people that's a really out there thing for them so sometimes even just the idea i speak to people about having just trying one minute of meditation that's like the most painful thing in the world for them mm-hmm. because they just can't be with their alone with their thoughts for a while um so that sort of extended period is uh, yeah that's that's a really big tax that's a big resilience not only just on your body but on your your mentality as well yeah i think so but like i was saying before i think running it's it's almost like a it's like a meditation cheat. I think you get, you don't. You, People talk if, about runners high though, don't they? Yeah, exactly. But I yeah. think I think you need a certain. I think you need to be in a certain environment for that to happen. Obviously, you. I think is if, if you're running around the city all the time, and you know there's noises and there's you know there's traffic lights to think about and there's people to try and dodge and. I don't think it's as easy to kind of get into that meditative state. And if you've got headphones on, you listen to something, obviously it's not going to happen as well. But if, if if anyone can find time to just get out into the countryside on like a, you know, when you're immersed in this green grass and on the backdrop of like a beautiful blue sky, and yeah. I just something just happens to your to your mind. And, and be, I don't know, I think because running such a natural movement it's almost the bo- like the body really it just enjoys it you know what i mean and, yeah. it, and it's almost like you can you can get to places in your mind without having when you sit down and meditate sometimes it's quite you're, you're almost struggling to like stop your mind when yeah. when it's the last thing you should be doing you know what i mean you should just be but i find that running can you know there's there's not that your mind just gets to that position without you having to struggle it's, i guess that's um, really because the way i teach a lot of a, a lot of meditation is, is breath work so mm-hmm. it's it's that ability to take yourself out of your mind and into your body and your breath is the lowest hanging fruit for most people because mm-hmm. some people aren't going to go run 10 miles every day yeah, yeah um but that is essentially what you're talking about that's essentially you're saying your focus becomes on the external and and maybe the physical of your body mm-hmm. but that takes you out of your that takes yeah. you out of your head. 
yeah, and that puts you in the body you, and in, into the environment you're in. Yeah, I mean, you sometimes you're, yeah, you focus, you can focus in on your breath, can't you? And sometimes without knowing it, it's just the rhythmic sound of your feet kind of hitting the ground that, that can get you into a kind of meditative state or that that kind of runner's heart. It's uh, yeah. And and the distances you cut you cover, like you you didn't just decide to walk out the door one day and, and do well apart from your marathon where you were just like, yeah. I'm going to go do that. Uh-huh. But like you've built up over a, a certain period of time, I guess a resilience in your body. Cause there's, there's got to be an element where you do have to really be nailed on for your, the physical side of this as well to last. I mean, what was the, um, the hung, the hungry. The hungry yeah. It was a six, so it was nine, 920 kilometers. Yeah. In six, six days. days. Yeah. There's a, yeah. yeah so ha- how do you go about that physically to be fair? Um, what to get into that state to be ready to run that? Yeah, or, to be well, physically like, capable of doing that that uh, mileage. Yeah, I just think it's lots and lots of miles in your so your legs are conditioned to um, to feeling tired and being being able to run when they're tired as well. I mean, right? Yeah, my legs always feel tired, and I'm always running on tired legs. So yeah, maybe, maybe that helps. And it is just like I I don't do. I know runners who do a lot more mileage than me, but I, I'm probably running about 140 miles a week or something. So it's, uh, and I'm just... Whereas others are running more. You you get some ultra runners who are doing 200 miles a week, yeah. Wow. Whereas others, I'm kind of, maybe I'm like in the middle, whereas others are, are doing, they tend to do much less. They, they prefer to maybe only doing 80 miles a week or something. Um but yeah, the way I see it, it's just learning to be to run when you're tired. Yeah, so be in bad shape and uh, feel in bad shape, and but then be running through that. Yeah, bad more, shape more like achy, more like muscle, like tiredness. Yeah. You know, just being able to keep going when you, uh, yeah, when you feel like that. Yeah, and you, um, uh, Brad tells me a good story as well of uh, when you were running the Bright Marathon eight times in a row, mm-hmm. and you started on the Friday. Yeah, and then the marathon actually starts on the Sunday, and you just ran consistently. One of the good, the one of the interesting things of of that story was that you had like uh, an in law that ran three with you. Yeah, my brother ran. Uh, oh, yeah, oh, your he, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ran yeah. three with you. He ran four. Yeah, he ran a hundred miles. Yeah, that, that he, like that in itself. Like, so is there? Have you found like a power of community at all with with what you do as well with the ultra running community? What's it? Oh kind man, of? the ultra running community is like the best. I've, yeah, yeah. I, it's the, well because when me, I saw because a lot of people will think of it like Dan Lawson is is off running miles on his own. Um, but then when you actually delve into like the competitions, yeah, like I mean, I'd, the I'd, events, I'd, there's loads of people yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I train on my own. I, I pretty much train, yeah, like 95%, maybe more, 98% of the time on my own. But it, the ultra running circuit is, oh, it's a beautiful place to be, yeah. I've never met, I've never met an ultra runner who I, who I dislike or they're all just, I think they're running so much that they're all just, so chilled out that they're I don't, I don't know they're just great uh, ultra runners and it's a nice circuit like I, I'll race abroad and, and I'll see the same people and the so yeah the same faces so we I've got the world championships the 24 hour world championships in like three or four weeks time I mm. think it is and for me like the most what I look forward to the most is seeing all the people again for that I haven't seen it's almost the race is almost secondary because it, it, like everything it's about finding your tribe of people isn't it mm. and and ultra running is going to have a, a limited amount of people it's so, getting bigger though really ultra running. yeah yeah i think well i mean i i don't i don't know many ultra runners uh yeah. in, in, but i guess what what class is an ultra run it's like 50 miles isn't it well and, and it's, it's above, a, yeah, but it's I a mean, wide so, variety of what ultra, I mean, ultra runners ultra well. running is what they say is it's any distance over a marathon so if you run if you go out and run 28 miles it's classed as an ultra, ultra but you know i'd i'd say that janus chorus is is like the freak of ultra runners he holds all the records he was around like 20 years ago and he he says something that ultra running doesn't start the first like real ultra race is a 24 hour race which i kind of a i kind of agree yeah, on because sounds... 100 like 100k you can get done in seven and a half hours and 100k is more it's almost more like a 
a running race because yeah. you've got a pace in there. I get, and I get what you. I get what you mean. I, I kind of agree with that. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. I feel there's a part of me is like you've got to go that. Yeah, yeah. Because you have to. I think once you get into running 24 hours plus, that's when you're having to really. It's almost it's so a hundred k. You can almost get through physically. You just on that being a good athlete. But once you start running twenty four hours, you it really becomes like almost the mental side of it takes over from the physical yeah. side. You've got a you've got a, I don't know. It's more important that mentally you're able to get through that race and physically. You're so how how do you get through that? Uh, Another story that my brother told me about was when you were doing the world record for the um, the oh, treadmill, the treadmill, the treadmill yeah. for a yeah. week, mm, uh, and terrible. that. Yeah, <laughs> but he said so. You had you'd set that treadmill up, and you had two treadmills either side, uh-huh. and people could come and join you. And Brad ran a stint, and he said he was there with you, but you weren't there. Uh-huh. Like that was his way of describing. It. He was like there, at, but Dan Lawson had left the building. It, he was you were in this state where. You were just running, and I think he came up to you after and said, "Like, do you realise I was there?" And you, you said, "No, yeah, you didn't know." I, I think actually that treadmill was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. It because it was it was really hard for me to find my kind of groove. I don't know what you call it because I was for one, I was on a treadmill, so it's an unnatural way to be yeah. to be running. You know, I I, I I feel that it's so much easier to run naturally when you're out in the countryside and you're and you're, there's no sounds and there's no so this was really unnatural and there was constantly people coming in and chatting to me that never it doesn't usually happen when i'm running i'm yeah. just on my own so it i found it really hard in that one to act to to get to a place where i could start to lose myself you know I, sometimes i call it like going to narnia in my in my head where you can just go off into and lose hours you know and i found that really hard and actually i found it so hard that on the last day, we had we had three treadmills. They were, yeah. You know, I was in the middle. We had one either side, and we were facing. We were in this big gazebo at the back of the gazebo, and we were facing like a kind of public area where people come and chat. And on the last day, um, with about twenty hours left, I got off the treadmill and I said, "Right, we've got to do this." And I made I made everyone lift the treadmill up and turn it round, so I was facing. So I have my back to everyone. So the, t- the other two treadmills were still facing the other <laughs> way, and I have my back to everyone. Because you just could Because I just needed to switch off. I needed to. What switch was the distance off. you had to try and get? Oh, it was like in the context now. If I did it, it's not. It was five hundred and twenty miles or something. So in the so you're saying in the context now of what you run, you I, think you'd be okay compared yeah, to when you were there. Yes, like I think the, I'd, the uh, I think I find it much easier yeah but it was a real it was a real struggle it was so much a struggle that um actually we did manage to tell i did with 10 miles left or something <laughs> I, we turned the treadmill back around <laughs> but still i still with like one mile left I'd, i was so yeah i really didn't even know whether i'd make that one mile it was it was Isn't really, that amazing like how you talk about kind of going out of your your body and into this different state when you're in nature and that that's something that i've actually really personally i've started doing more of like running i've started doing more barefoot running mm-hmm. um, so that yeah i mean and, that's a great thing to connect you to oh yeah, yeah. yeah so the the i think i lost that in in my in the world of sport because sport you can get so caught up in running on treadmills you mm-hmm. can get so caught up in the technology of of things and you really forget how much we're just natural beings like you said we're yeah. born to run yeah we're literally born and to it's run such a natural movement isn't it and i think you're yeah and and so much of what we have is is unnatural yeah i mean my commute into into brighton and stuff is yeah if but, i go the roadway rather rather than the way on the like the long way across the downs and across the countryside is yeah i mean it's so unnatural you know it's pavements it's, it's cars it's people on their phones having to dodge them in the streets and and i think when yeah if you can get to but isn't it weird like in society you'll look like the weird one (laughs) do you know what i mean and that's what i found when i'm running barefoot and i'm feeling amazing like i actually come from doing a barefoot run and i feel better for like doing it physically like Mm -hmm. my my 
um, I felt like my tendons were losing their elasticity from the from running so much in shoes and not being out in terrain that was challenging mm-hmm. challenging my stability, my proprioception. Um, and then when you tell people like lose running barefoot like what a widow and it's yeah, like well yeah, yeah. i wasn't yeah. born in trainers yeah i wasn't yeah, exactly. born with all these all this different technology around me i was born to, to run like this like, mm. but that's how we physically men do and um but it's those actually pe- those people will, will quite happily pay for someone to re- do like a reflexology session on their on their foot and pay because when i run barefoot that's what i love that kind of feel you just feel like your feet have been massaged yeah and it's just oh they're like they're almost, almost like they're sparkling and they're zinging. They get warm. For, yeah, they get yeah. warm, and some people think like, "Are your feet going to get cold?" And mm-hmm. you're like, "No." When you think about it, the muscles in your feet are having to work harder. They're sending more blood flow to them, and they actually warm up. And it took. I, I listened to a podcast with a, a group of guys called the the Foot Collective out in Canada. They're a bunch of. Uh, they're a group. Of, they're a couple of um, physical therapists that mm-hmm. that work around feet, and they were. They, they they said in a podcast that I listened to about how your feet get warm. I was like, nah, it can't be. My feet are freezing all the time. But just took my shoes off and that made them feel amazing. Then it sort of, and it wasn't a case of I went and ran 10K straight away with no shoes because I realized I'd conditioned my feet to running shoes and yeah, yeah, yeah. orthotics and all sorts. And I needed to decondition them or, or, um, or sort of like mix that conditioning up and kind of make an all-round foot, I guess, that was ability. And there's also the nut, you can't get away from playing specialist sports um, with certain shoes. So like I couldn't get away with not playing cricket in, in cricket <laughs> yeah, boots or playing football bowling. in football boots. Like you couldn't see footballers running around barefoot, yeah, yeah, could you, apart yeah. from not do. in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you do at a, a, a certain level, yeah. but not in the Premier League. Like there's an element where you've got to be, um, you got to be towards that sport you've got to put your your foot in whatever footwear that sport requires but other than that i'm a big advocate for get out your shoes get out into nature like really connect and and that's more the going back to what you're saying it's the it's the mind side of it like that connecting with nature is so important because Mm -hmm. of you've you i've never done i've never done a work i've never had a workout in nature that's not been as good as a workout in a gym Mm. oh Uh, yeah yeah do you know what i mean And it's like a I know I was saying earlier it's not it feels like a cheat sometimes because you can you it things just happen naturally to your body to your mind when you when you go out into nature and especially yeah, if you if you go and run barefoot and it's just there's actually a friend of mine um he's uh he's a yoga teacher in India we spent sometimes spend our winters in India and uh there was a chap a movement specialist his name's Shane Benzie he's quite an interesting chap he works on um fascia and elasticity in your in runners basically and he was he he was in india and he was doing some filming like some slow motion filming of of my running style and pem this friend of mine who's who's uh he's he's from india he's born in northeast india and he runs a little bit as well and he he filmed pem and he filmed pem with a pair of trainers on and his running style was like it was like it was awful. Yeah? He was landing on his heel. He was, uh, everything was wrong. His body was a bit like, it wasn't aligned properly. And then Pem took his shoes off and and he filmed him again with his shoes off and everything was just perfect. And all he did was take his shoes off and he's, and, no he's, uh, and he, he changed. Uh, I mean, he, it, it, I don't know what, what the answer to that is, whether he, le- he must've learned, he, he lived in bare feet when he was younger. So maybe he, he learned the right way to run. And as soon as he put trainers on, that made him run in a, in a different, yeah. a different way. Yeah. yeah. But it was, it was, it was literally in a matter of five seconds, how he, how he changed yeah, well, just from taking his shoes off. There's been a lot of research around commercial trainers having sort of put band-aids on band-aids, like they created trainers to look good. And, and, and sort of once the running boom happened in the fifties and, and they started to then build them. Then brands started to make them look good and wanted mm-hmm. fashionable. And then it went far away from purpose. And then it's saying like, oh, there's a heel arch here that's going to improve your stability. But actually, it potentially could be taking you away from what you want to, need to be doing, which is getting in barefoot. That's an amazing story. Like yeah. that's yeah. That, And how quick that happened as well. Literally yeah. take your shoes off and you run, run better. I definitely have felt that as well, that I've not heel struck oh, yeah, as yeah. much. Because you, one, you, you're actually potentially looking out for 
sharp objects mm -hmm. your your feet are having that reaction to the floor and you're, you're picking them up rather than smashing them on the floor mm -hmm. because you're not worried about anything on the floor when you've got shoes on yeah. um that how much of your how much of your running actually do you look at sort of your own biomechanics oh i don't I, yeah don't. i don't yeah you've just that, what <laughs> you've got is what you've got. we were having like a sports science we were chatting weren't we a little bit before we we started here yeah. about sports science but i um yeah, I'm of the thinking that running, it's just such a natural thing anyway, that I'm, I just, I just do what I, you know, it's so simple, why I complicate it, so yeah. I haven't, and in fact, when Shane came to do that testing on me, I was a little bit sceptical at first, because I was like, I don't really want, he put like sensors on my calves, he put them, they were all over my legs, you know, reading, I don't know what they were reading, and I was a little bit sceptical, because I, I just... Sometimes I think science, like it just ruins that natural, that beauty of running that's so simple. But actually, it kind of worked out because he it, um, he did the sensors on me. He told me, oh, look, you can change this, you can change that. And it actually made me a bit more present in my running because I was I was thinking more about my... I was in the present moment a lot more because afterwards he went, he was saying, I'll try and just move that foot a little bit. So it just made me think about my body as, as I was running a bit more. And I kind of, I kind of like that. And it was, it's hard to explain. Maybe it's not hard to explain this, but it, it, I kind of had a lack of epiphany that it's not, you don't even have to physically. So if he says this, my right leg is not coming up quicker than my left leg. I don't have to physically move my right leg up. I just need to put my awareness onto my right leg and yeah. then it seems to change. So I don't have to think about, like, I need to be doing this position. I just have to be aware of my right leg and then it seems to start changing on its own. Yeah. Makes total sense of that being present as well because you're, you're going back, again, out of your mind, into your body mm -hmm. and you're, you're, you're doing it. Like, you're, actually, you're just being present and that's... Yeah. Um, that's incredible sort of how uh well one how you were skeptical of it to begin with and then and then yeah actually, I was, yeah it was, it was but it came, yeah i did quite uh i did quite like it well, what i didn't want to do is like have constant feedback of yeah of like of the numbers and stuff like that like i, I mean i can't even tell you what in the end what numbers he was telling me but it, I just liked the way it made me a little bit more present and it kind of does make sense with what you were saying about you can you can be as fit as you want but at one point in ultra marathon running you're gonna have to or ultra running you're gonna have to be mentally resilient so it's, it's almost irrelevant mm -hmm. sometimes that could be a bit of the irrelevant part it's how much you can deal with the 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 pain and the struggle that uh, that will come with it at some point and and then consist i get how would, would you say consistency is like a a word within what you do because i feel like you'd have to you'd have to be genuinely consistent throughout the, yeah, consistent. the six days I you think, were in, in I think it, in ultra running, when you look at like good results and especially in the longer, yeah, I think consistency, a consistent pace is yeah, really okay. important. Um, and does that come from anything around what you do as well? Like, so I was, I was a big believer in sport that if you're consistent, if you're consistent outside of the sport, like if you do the same things or similar things that are, um, that are improving you, um, rather than having these huge ups and downs, then your performances will be quite consistent. Is that something that you kind of go along with, or um, is, or do you have a different take on it? Yeah, possibly. I think possibly. I think someone someone spoke to. I was listening to someone the other day that said that good ultra runners are basically devoid of any of any emotion, <laughs> <laughs> which I can kind of not. I mean, not in a bad way, but just like not they don't mentally they don't kind of have that up they're pretty much like flatlining emotionally rather than like highs and lows and highs and lows and i think i think that makes sense yeah that you you mentally you're kind of consistent yeah mm. you don't i mean the worst thing you can do when you're ultra running is get in a race is get too excited and feel good and go off really right. fast you know because at some point you're you kind of drop right off and you just you just implode so trying to keep a consistent steady pace for the whole of the 24 hours or the six days is usually usually the, the winner is the person that can do that 
the best yeah rather than going fast and then like really hanging on at the end well, you, just... i saw that loads at the london marathon you mm-hmm. someone said to me i think it was my girlfriend read it she she said that um she said that she read someone said like the marathon's like the tide so it's like you gotta let the tide go out mm-hmm. and that means that there'll be people that will run off and then the tide will come back and then maybe there'll be another group that will run off and that's the group that you don't ever see again because they're the ones that are, are, are pretty good runners. But then there's another group that like does tail off again mm-hmm. and and you've got to try to start the race, you've got to pull back. And and that's what I did. I remember I remember getting, I got really excited about the London Marathon. There were people everywhere. I described the London Marathon when I did it was there was a party going on in London. There just happened to be a marathon at the same time. <laughs> and that was what, the, and you're just literally, I mean, you're high-fiving, you feel like a celebrity, everyone's screaming your name. like, And you, there was no way you couldn't let that adrenaline not get to your feet and your feet start yeah, going yeah, a little yeah. bit quicker. And But that I, I remember just getting to one point going, slow down, like slow down, you're going to kill yourself here. Like this is, this is going to be a real struggle. It was a struggle in the end. Like mm-hmm. I had under-trained for sure. Like I, I'd, I'd definitely we spoke about my my training pre-marathon i'd never run anything more than 10k and i i'm sort of what six foot three and about 87 kilos and i was definitely not ready to do that um and uh, no the, but the mentality side of it was that was a real real eye-opener real yeah. real eye-opener but um it's so much better to st- in any race in any running race to start off slowly and then be strong at the end when yeah. just from a mental point of view because when you're overtaking people at the end at the end of the last 10 miles of a marathon or the last 5 miles of a marathon you start to feel so so good but if you're the person that everybody's overtaking it's just it's just so hard to, it's just so mentally it's so hard so it's yeah it's much much better to try and um you be ran, that one that's going you ran faster. yeah you ran the gobi desert right mm-hmm. the, and that's 400 kilometers and you did it you got the course record for like 70 hours yeah so that is one that's a massive race but you just come from from yoga which is in 40 degrees and obviously in like you you like the hot there and and that was a that's a hot um yoga class but how is it is it a lot different when you're in the heat like for that intent just i'm just imagining everything running being in the heat just it with that gobi desert what's that compared to everything else that you've done well in terms of heat or in terms of uh i mean there's got a million questions well, here, one so. Thing, so the heat i love the heat yeah so i'm 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 like the opposite of most other runners that i meet who as soon as the sun comes out they're yeah it, it just ruins them yeah but i'm the other way around if give me like a cold wet day and i'm oh you're solar powered basically i hate it yeah i really hate it but in i just love the i love the sunshine yeah and so i've never even in um i ran a race called bad water so it goes across death valley in uh in america so it's a 135 mile race but it's like the hottest place on earth isn't it death Mm. valley so i think we started the race at 11 o'clock at night and i think it was 45 degrees oh, at wow. 11 o'clock at night but that i didn't really notice you know I mean, it gets up towards 50 but i didn't really notice the heat there i just i just like sunshine so yeah. i'm i'm all right in the heat i'm fine yeah and how do you so let's stay at the, at the gobi how do you tactically run that race because there's so that you're being tracked weren't you and didn't mm. and that race um did you arrive at the finish line early or before they uh, even, they'd even like set it up or something like that no, the, the finish I definitely set up. I think the story was if the 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 CEO of the company or something he 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 his plane was I don't know he wasn't there he because he didn't think anyone would finish. He arrived like twelve hours later or something because that's when they thought people would finish. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it's the uh, yeah I don't know tactically it's just I think it's so simple in in like. There's two different races I run. So some are like that. It's 400 kilometers and you, yeah, you've just got to run 400 kilometers and you get to the finish. And mm. tactically, tactically, those races are easy because you just, the faster you run, the quicker you get to the finish. So it's really simple, you know? And if, you're, if your legs start to hurt and, and 
even if mentally you start to struggle a little bit well if you run a bit faster then you'll be able to finish a bit a bit quicker so that kind of works it's the it's the timed races where it's like see how far you can go in 24 hours or six days where it's much harder because the faster you run in those races the longer you're yeah making your race and and from a like a mental point of view that's quite hard because your body's always trying to save energy isn't it you know i think that's that's quite a struggle you have with your mind that your mind's always trying to save save yourself just in i don't know just in case so it's quite easy for the mind to compute well if i go as fast as i can i'll be finished quicker and then i can rest but when you're on those timed ones, yeah, when you're trying to go faster, but your mind's thinking, well, you're going faster just means we're going to end up running longer. So we're yeah. going to expend in more. They're harder tactically. Right. And and what about nutrition? So how do you, like, I'm just thinking how you're eating through that, how you're eating, how you're sleeping. Um, so, yeah, that's another, uh, yeah, nutrition is my weakest, my weakest point. Really? really. Yeah, yeah. Just don't eat. Well, yeah, I don't eat. And when I train, I make a mistake of not, I'm quite happy not eating when I'm training, you know, like a four or five hour run. I can I can run without eating or, or even drinking sometimes. But because I don't really like carrying, I quite like just going off and running and mm. not really, not having to think too much about it. And oh, I've got to take this and I need to carry this. So, yeah, so I've got myself into a position where I can quite, happily run for yeah four or five hours without um eating or drinking but then when i come to a race and obviously i'm moving a little bit quicker and and also i'm out a bit longer um i need to eat and drink but um i haven't trained eating and drinking so it gets harder to yeah because you have so, to train that part of it don't you you have yeah, to learn how to eat and run and yeah and so do that. i've tried lots of different things and what seems to work for me at the moment is just like high uh carb content like energy drinks so i'll just i'll concentrate i'll probably well i don't eat that much solid stuff i'll I'll tend to just try and concentrate on uh energy drinks yeah unless it's a bit of a longer race so maybe in the gobi i had time i can't remember what i ate in the gobi um or maybe i had one of those rehydrated meal things and uh and then the six day race in hungary yeah, I think I was. Most of it was on this this energy drink. Is um, yeah. And the because the, the hungry was a nine nine hundred meter loop, just the mm. same loop for six days, um, and you. So as well as nutrition, there's sleep that you have to consider as well. And you said you kind of started tripping on um. In the Gobi, the sleep, sleep deprivation. Yeah, as well. in the Gobi, I was tripping. Yeah, yeah. You know what? yeah. <laughs> I can imagine that I mean, he would do that. There's a lot of stories I could tell you. Yeah, in the in the Gobi, yeah, I had really bad sleep deprivation. Um, Has there ever been a moment where you've kind of thought, Dan, we're in trouble? Yeah, in the Go- in the Gobi, I was I was getting a little bit scared. Yeah, and I mean, I actually. Uh, during the last it must be in the last 30 kilometers or something I'd, I'd got to the last kind of life base point and it was 30 kilometers to the finish and i remember um i remember like i was floating out of my my body i was what i was as i was running i was above my body i was literally looking down on myself as i was it was a good state to be in though because like all of a sudden like my legs they weren't hurting they weren't because i just wasn't physically i wasn't you in moving. my body yeah, I was moving. I was just watching myself um, run, yeah, and kind of, uh, it was quite nice. But then I had some, I had moments where I didn't know, like I didn't know, I always knew who I was, didn't know where I was, didn't know what I was doing, didn't know, my mind was really, uh, yeah, I actually rang my um, wife when I was getting into the kind of town, maybe I was 20 kilometres away from the finish, and I rang my wife and I, I was like, I don't, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I know I've got, I know I'm running, but I don't know why I'm running. I don't know why. You're orienteering this race as well. It, it was like a GPS. It was like a handheld right. GPS. And all you have to do is there's a, there's a, a black arrow and you have to keep that black arrow on the black line on the screen. Just, just that, that so direction. I, I was, I was happy, you know, I, I was doing that, but whilst I was doing that, I was thinking, what, why am I doing that? Where am I? What is this? What am I doing? Where? <laughs> 
Yeah. So it's when, in, how, so in that race, it was 70 hours, like how did you sleep? Like where do you sleep? And in that race, I, I stopped early on on the first night and lay down for like half it, an hour, in the 40 minutes. No, so every, every right. like 50K or something, there's some, they, they're like a life base. There's like a big like military tent and um, they take your, you give them bags so they'll take to these places so in those bags there's there's drinks that i can refill on and there's yeah. um so i lay down there for yeah like 40 minutes or so and then yeah. you run that's that's sleep 40 minutes yeah and then yeah for seven. But I, I was i was trying i was almost there was some points on the last day when i was managing to get like a minute or so sleep whilst i was running i was trying to i was trying to sleep while i was running wow well. oh my god that is just um, shutting my eyes for a bit and <laughs> <laughs> that's insane um so yeah, oh, i mean there's like so many things like because there are so many stories that i've i've kind of heard of them and then you kind of think oh, are they real like but now they are actually real <laughs> uh, like there was a story of you running a race and you were you were running around a field for, for ages and you you got lost and then you managed to rejoin the race oh, after yeah, like two I'm hours often, and still I, win yeah. it yeah I often get lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've got better at that, actually. I think maybe three or four years ago, every race I ran, I, I got lost at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I have, there was one time, yeah, I was so bad. I, this was in Cornwall, actually. And yeah, I was I was ahead. I took the wrong turn. I went 10 kilometers, like the wrong way, and then realized I'd gone the wrong way. So got back to the race and then yeah, I was obviously in last position and then managed to get to the front of the race again and, and it was dark and it was there was this storm and we were going across Bobmin Moor and they'd put on on the signs they put like little um, reflective stickers so we've got head torches on so when you're looking with the head torch it shines on the reflective sticker so then you know all right, that's a sign so I aim for that sign and that'll point me in that direction or straight on and I spent like an hour aiming towards these signs and every time I got to this reflective uh, round sticker it was a bloody cow's eye oh. <laughs> so I spent like an hour like running to different cows in a field <laughs> <laughs> no way yeah so, but I'm, yeah, I seem to have not got lost for a few races, which is, uh, mate, I think I'm just selecting well signpost races or it's quite hard to get lost on a 900 meter It's like going in one way. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's only going one way. Um, how much is your, like, do you think a lot of what you've done now is experience? Like you were saying about the treadmill, for example, you, you kind of mentioned that looking back and then you could probably manage that better now. Is that meaning, do you reckon that means because ultra running is just an experience thing? You've got to experience it to, yeah, like anything I think, really, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I but think it's you're right. Yeah, you just get, um, yeah, you get better, don't you? Yeah. You just, you just get better at, I suppose there's but Do you think things, like the mental side has yeah, become I, better? Yeah, definitely. To deal with, to so deal with. Like you know signs that are coming and you know the how to manage certain points. For example, I know I will run a my second marathon better because there'll be moments in that race that I will have registered in my yeah. mind that are warning signs or or how to prep for it better or whatever so mm -hmm. is it the same yeah I think I think the biggest thing is you just realize that in every race in every race you run you're gonna there's gonna be moments when you're like real down moments when, when mentally you, you you get into quite dark places mm. but what you realize is that the more races you run that, that, that's just that's just part of the flow of running long distances and you do get into those dark places but you know if you kind of enjoy and embrace those dark places then then not long it doesn't take long for you to kind of come back up you know because you've oh, that's amazing, it's, that's, an amazing almost, way. It's, that's like life as well isn't it it that's, is yeah i mean you know that that's that's the rhythm of the of the race so when the dark times come it just means that you're closer to a like a good time do you know what i mean so and yeah. yeah if you if you try and fight it and you and you kind of go against it and kind of paddle upstream it it becomes harder and it, it, the place becomes darker and it lasts for longer but if you kind of just say well yeah this is this is part of it this is part of the flow then 
then the flow carries on if that if that makes and sense. And yeah, eventually think, you come back into a, a better place. Yeah, because that's what it, it always happens, doesn't it? You're right, and it's the same in it's the same in life. You know, you have your moments when you're you know you don't feel as good in life, but it, everything is just yeah. That's a really great way of thinking about it. I think because a lot of people get stuck on when they feel bad. I mean, I went through my own bout of depression after losing my career, and and I think I fought it for ages. Whereas now I accept part the days mm-hmm. I'm having badly. Like yeah. that's just a part of life. Yeah. And the, it is literally like swimming upstream. Like the more you fight it, the, the harder that current's going to hit you. And um, if you kind of just go with it, literally go with the flow. Like mm. you, it's you realise yeah, it is so going to. You use that saying a lot to me. Actually, I remember I, I have an image of. Um, these kids well I was in the pool once and I have an image of these kids of that's real like of of like they were they were messing around on this river and they were uh, in like blow up tractor tires like inner tubes of tractors tires and they were just they were having so much fun with their like legs up in the air like kick back in these tractor tires just letting this river take them wherever and it, I remember that image all the time because it is like that you've got a it's such there. hard work swimming upstream and going against against something, but it's so it's so much it's so much easier just kicking back and lying back and just letting the river take you. You just got to try. You've got to trust trust the rivers going yeah. to the going to the right place. And once you do that, everything's just much easier. Yeah, yeah mate, that's amazing. Um, I wanted to ask you what. So with all this, this intent is intense. What you do. Um, so what drives you to do it like what what's the and there's a big question it's like why do you do it yeah i but then i'd i'd say it wasn't intense at all yeah for yeah, me okay. it's and that's what drives me to do it because it's it's kind of it's like the opposite of intense it's calm it's it's kind of stillness that's that's totally what running brings me i find it, it, i don't know other activities and uh not like not that I don't cope in real life, but I just yeah, find, I yeah. find that more. And you've got fam- you've got family which must be incredibly supportive of. of what oh you're yeah, doing. my family are brilliant, and my wife's a, because yeah. it's not. I, I I've met some endurance athletes, and and that can be a big strain on people. If, yeah. if, if the other half don't get it, or like the the family can't understand it, and the embracing of of that kind of culture, I guess, and that that sort of like ecosystem that you're putting yourself in is. Um, Mm-hmm. it's really important isn't it yeah they're great and i think i i don't think i'd be doing a disservice to most ultra runners to tell us like like essentially i don't know like when i first started running people would always say to me oh like the classic line is what are you running away from and i'd always be like no i'm not running away from anything but then i think when it comes down to it i think we probably are most we are running away yeah you know i mean from finding just that time on our own and that that stillness and and you know we we're, i think we are we are essentially running away from from real real life aren't we or, or from real life as it is now as that kind of society and yeah it's our chance to just not be part of it for a little yeah. bit yeah uh, and um we didn't really touch on it, but you ended up representing Team GB, mm-hmm. um, and you and that the World Championships coming up is that with that's with that's Team GB. Team as well. GB. Yeah. How many of you guys are in that? Uh, so that we take uh, a team of six six men, six women. Yeah. Wow. And it's a twenty four hour format. So again, it's round. Pretty, I think it's like a one around a one kilometer loop always uh, for twenty four hours and. Yeah, you we run individually, but then more importantly with with GB, we go to try and win team medals. And, right, and, yeah. and the first three runners count towards uh, like a, you add up the distances of the first three, and that counts towards team medals. And we've got a pretty decent team actually. We most of the uh, the last championships we've been to, we've we've finished like we've we've won gold, we've won silver. So we've we've got a really decent team we we're, we're up there with the the best kind of ultra running teams in the world who's the uh, who's kind of like big competition uh for us the french are always good yeah. um the japanese uh have uh, have some very good runners um and the americans this year in the world championships will, will be pretty good so probably are they're our main rivals there's a few other teams that have 
like good runners but maybe one or two just good runners and that's not good enough because you need to have a that's interesting that there's not african nations i think a lot of people would have assumed that african nations would be yeah yeah the big names yeah why, why is that i don't know i think a number of reasons i think there's not there's not as much money well there's no money in ultra in ultra running and i think that's uh um it's a motivation for, especially if, because these the Africans, the Kenyans, the Ethiopians are very, very good runners and they can earn, they can earn the good money. running speed runners for yeah, the distances. They can yeah. earn good money uh, running marathons. And I think if they were to run ultras, it would end up costing them, you know, they, the motivation for these African runners is to, is to provide for their families and, and it's the other way, it's the other way around in this country. If you're an ultra runner, you end up spending more money you know, then right. on races. And you and, run on sponsorship? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I'm not sponsored. I used to be sponsored. And um, I, uh, about two years ago, I gave up all my sponsorship. Right, because okay. I, was, that, I, I felt that's when I first yeah. heard of you and it was sponsorship. And yeah, and I felt a bit uneasy about <laughs> touting things that I didn't, you know, I didn't necessarily fully believe in. I just, I just felt, you know, this is, this, I don't know. It just felt wrong to me. So yeah. I, we, I stopped being sponsored, and we set up our own kind of um, second-hand running clothes um, social enterprise. Where that's perfectly we, segued into yeah. talking about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where so I chose. I thought if I'm going to promote anything, I want to promote something I really believe in. So, um, so that's what I run solely in secondhand clothes, secondhand running shoes now, just just to prove that you know you don't need to have all this really expensive um, kit that uh, the running companies will tell you you need to change, you need to upgrade every year, just to say that it's running running so simple and you don't you don't need to complicate it with uh, with fancy kit and stuff. You can still be as good running in other people's clothes and mm. other people's trainers or making your last your trainers last for three or four years rather than three or four months that we're told um, they're supposed to last for. Is it, and yeah, so this is rerun that we're talking this about. Is this, is, this is called yeah. rerun. Yeah. Um, so, and you think that's that whole, so you think it's a myth? Like the whole, your trainers are only six months and you've got to get out of them and then you've got to get a new pair that yeah, feels think, like a commercial yeah, I think sale, doesn't it? I like, think it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm, well, I think it's a myth, yeah. I'm living proof that it's a myth. I don't yeah. I don't buy new trainers. I wear second-hand trainers. The, the trainers I've got on now, it's hard to explain, but they're yeah. like a they're like a Frankenstein mash-up Frank, yeah. mash of two or three pairs of old trainers to cover up holes in them. And they're, they're like, I love them, these trainers. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've been around for ages. Yeah, I just think it, it annoys me how simple and natural running is and and then we're kind of i don't know we it's the wrong way to say it, but it's almost dirtied a little bit by these big sports companies that are, that push onto running that kind of fast fashion and mm. you've got to look good and you've got a you know here's a here's the summer's running i don't know a, like clothes coming out and then they, they bring out the winter's ones and people are people are changing them like you know yeah it's running's better than that you know it's not about just looking good and and parading like running around town and having people look at you and i don't know it's just yeah no i, I think it's i think it's true because I, I think them definitely having stepped away from professional sport um sometimes there's there's parts of it that are like non-negotiable like there's a new sponsor for a team that comes mm. in so you've got to change everything up but um but generally around the world of sport and exercise there there are these these sort of lines that are being fed to us about we have to change our shoes for example for yeah, yeah. every six months and and i think the more people question like why like why do i have to and can i do i have to Mm-hmm. and then there's people like you that are pr- proving that you don't have to yeah um you I, don't have to go the that 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 conservative way that you don't have to go conform to the way that everyone else is you yeah. can do something differently yeah and that and, can actually be the right way of doing it and our thing as well with with these companies is they all right so if you're gonna say that if you're gonna say these shoes only last three months then then you have a responsibility to so 
a pair of trainers will take 1,000 years to decompose properly, you know, into the ground. And, and, and when it does decompose, it, it's full of contaminated plastics and poisons anyway, but we're not talking about that now. But it will take it will take yeah. a 1,000 years to decompose. And then they're telling you that they that trainers only last for three months. So they have to have a responsibility. If you're making a product that takes a thousand years to decompose, but you're saying it's lifetime, it's 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 usage lifetime is only three months. And this is there's something wrong there because yeah. you need to So if you're gonna say something like that, then make a pair of trainers that you can then take back and you can recycle and then use as another pair of trainers. So it's more of a closed loop. It's not just a linear buy this, wear it, throw it away, buy something else, wear it, throw it away. So you're actually, you know I mean, just not, it, there's so much stuff that we end up buying and then chucking away and it's just, it's yeah. hideous. Yeah. So how does, how does actually rerun work and like can people get involved in it and, and sort of how do you, yeah, how does it function? So rerun, I mean, we have, a, we have an online uh shop that sells secondhand running gear but we're really not about uh selling stuff it's not it, we just use that shop to provide us with um small profits and also um like we use the shop as an awareness thing so people talk about rerun and and what we when people ask how can they get involved the best way to get involved we say is just have a think about your consumption of yeah. uh, as we talk to runners so is your consumption of sportswear basically because like when you when you go to buy a new t-shirt just ask yourself simple things like do i really need this and if you don't need it then don't buy it like will i will i wear it regularly for you know a few times a week over the next three years yeah. if the answer is no then 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 don't buy it you know just i think if we all stopped before buying and things but we talk because I mean we talk about clothing if we all stopped and just asked ourselves out do I really need it it would just make a difference in terms of our consumption we we consume far too much uh, you know and it's not our fault because we're we're bombarded by like marketing mm -hmm. uh, ploys and advertising to tell us that we need to consume it's important to consume but consumption is just you know, it's killing it's killing the planet and yeah. eventually it's 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 killing us as a, as a human race is that yeah the, the, everything we we're talking about climate change a little bit before yeah because you went to the and, you went to the strike that was in brighton where it was a global thing yeah. at, um you were at the brighton one and that was really heavily attended mm -hmm. um and so it's, it's this is very aligned with what you do yeah it is but it's, it's clearly a passion it, and there's a simple way to to revert the climate crisis to stop is for all of us to stop consuming and stop mm. buying shit sorry to, yeah uh, yeah but it's uh, <laughs> I, I think it, it, it because it the it, yeah it's just that that capitalist society that relies on growth and uh and everything that drives growth is like fossil fuels and it, and it, to make anything you need to use fossil fuels i mean so that whole manufacturing yeah. and consumption is just driving us spiraling us out of control a little bit so i think so i've i've definitely moved to that um a more way of living where i'm it's the eating organic like um checking that the the products i'm making how environmentally friendly are they um and it, and sometimes I think some people think, well, what, what's, what difference am I going to make? And also, how much have I got to change? Like, where does it end? Do I have to be like, a friend of mine, um, she went completely chemical free, like in her in her life. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm not taking any, like, I'm not, I've realized how many chemicals that are in everything that I'm interacting with. I'm going to mm -hmm. cut it out. That is and, really hard. To and that was almost oh, have God. To just And she was like, at, yeah. she went insane. She yeah, was just yeah. like, I couldn't do it. I just, you can't get away I, from I that. I can't yeah. run from it. There was nothing yeah. I could run from. I was miserable. Um, I felt awful and it was dreadful. And then there was something that I saw recently, which I thought was brilliant. It was a quote. I don't know who it was by, but it was all about in order for the world to be better, it doesn't need a small amount of people doing things perfectly. It needs a lot of people doing them imperfectly. Mm. And I thought that was brilliant because then yeah. it, it, it was a, so for me, I'm, when I'm going shopping, food shopping, I realize like eating purely organic sometimes from like a price point for people can be really tough. So 
it's like, can you make a 30% difference? Yeah. 10% yeah. difference, whatever mm -hmm. it is. You don't have to go 100% all, all, all out, but that 30% is 30% that you weren't doing before. Yeah. And I think that's the same with clothing. Like that, it just takes that moment just before you're about to push the button, tap the card or pick it up off the shelf mm -hmm. and go and just question like that three, like give yourself five seconds and just go, do I need it? Yeah. Like it, if it's not sort of food or water, like do I need it? Um, and I think that's a that's a really that's a powerful part to do. That's the that's the first step. Mm -hmm. Like we spoke mm -hmm. about, even well, things like yoga, yeah, 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 like yeah. that first step of going into like uh, if you want to try something new, like that going to a yoga class can seem too much for people. So can you do like ten minutes a day, like build it up, and mm -hmm. and then it changes. And it kind of snowball. The, the the negative effect can snowball, but I think the positive effect can snowball as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you you start to have an impact on not only your own life but sometimes people around you. Yeah. Um, and it's the way to do it because sometimes we sometimes we get caught up trying to make really uh, you say really big changes. So these marches are brilliant, but in the marches that we're asking for massive, we're asking for governments for <coughs> huge companies to make changes, and that's a, we're asking for big big mm. changes. But you're right the biggest impact is is just doing your bit locally and if ev if everyone does that in their own little communities i mean that that's when it starts to build that big change yeah yeah wow um mate that this has been amazing like, i've loved chatting i feel like i could go on for forever People can find you on Instagram um, at the Running Down. They can, yeah. I don't post my actually. I, being honest here, I don't go on social media at all. So my my partner posts yep. on a. Usually but you can races. see what you're up to on yeah, there around races when you're racing. Like that, I yeah. definitely followed you around the the hungry race. Yeah, so yeah. I, there's activity, uh, and then your website is the Running Down dot live dot life. Yeah. yeah. Um and uh, mate, thank you so much for this. this has been amazing oh, and no. good luck good luck with the world championships oh, thank you, for, for yeah, sure yeah. and yeah. i'll be watching and i hope a lot of people do as well yeah thanks mate cheers man thank you yeah thanks again for listening to the raising your game podcast you can support this podcast in many ways by leaving a review sharing it on your social media or by telling a friend if you would like to raise your own game in your sport and exercise you can sign up to simple and practical online classes with me at thesportyogi.com Using methods of yoga-inspired movement, performance breathwork, mindset, meditation, and more to prepare, perform, and recover better for sport and life. You can also follow on Instagram and Facebook at The Sport Yogi. But thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again soon.